Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, Merry Christmas, Stevens Creek Church. Welcome to our South Campus and our Grovetown Campus and everybody online, everybody in here. I hope that your Christmas season is off to a great start. I love Christmas at the Creek. There's nowhere else I'd rather be celebrating the best story, the best news the world's ever heard, that Jesus has come, Christ has come, and we're going to be celebrating it all month here at Stevens Creek. Now, I know Christmas, in a lot of ways, is about tradition, watching the same movies every year, eating the same food every year, going to some of those same places, and there's a real warmth that comes from having some good traditions. And one of my favorite traditions is to show one video that you've probably seen, because it went viral when it first came out, but this is from the church where Ashley and I grew up in Kentucky, Southland Christian Church, about six years ago. Uh, They put out a video called Christmas According to Kids, and I showed it last year, and you're like, you showed this last year. You know what I did, that's why it's a tradition. Stop complaining, I'll show it next year too. (laughs) But I love it, it's fun, and without further ado, let's take a few minutes and watch this video. came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, like, I can't say good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. Well, they tried to go to a hotel and they asked the keeper, um, for a place to stay, the keeper said, We have no rooms. Literally, no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, The only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple. And then he just pointed the way and they followed. <laughs> When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is getting born, who is king of the Jews. The angels were singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the 
Wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, they have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold ring and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. So cute. That's actually all I have prepared. So I hope you guys have a great day. Now, but it, it is it, the beautiful story of Christmas. And, and Jesus said we, have, we need to have faith like a child. And sometimes I think seeing the faith through a child's eyes is the best way to see it. And we're so excited to be celebrating it again, like I said, all month long. And we're gonna be talking about that story that we just saw, but we're gonna dive into that familiar story of Christmas and maybe look at it in ways that you hadn't considered before. Because every time you return to the truth of God's word, he brings fresh insight and I think it's gonna be such an encouraging series to you as we look at the story of Christmas. But with any story, to fully understand the story, you really have to start with the back story. It's kind of like in the Star Wars movies when they begin with that scrolling text saying what happened before this story started, and it gives you an idea of why this story's happening the way that it's happening. And the Bible gives us a lot of backstory, thousands of years worth of backstory leading up to Christmas. So Jesus didn't just come unannounced but the prophets had foretold his arrival for centuries. This was always part of God's plan to send his son, our savior, into the world at just the right time in just the right way. And every detail of this story was organized and planned by God for a specific purpose. And so before we dive in full scale to the story of Christmas, we're gonna start today and look at some of those details that were leading up to the story of why Jesus came in the first place. Was it just to give us another holiday on our calendars? Was it just to give us a reason to decorate in December? No, he came for so many specific reasons that have a lot to do with you in particular. And if you're here today, you're watching online today, and maybe this is a, a difficult time of, season, of the year for you. I'm glad that you're here. We celebrate Christmas. There is so much to celebrate. It should, it's a happy time of year for many, but we wanna acknowledge that this is a difficult time for a lot of people, because Christmas is kind of an amplifier. Whatever in your life is going well feels even better at Christmas. But anything in your life that's difficult, any place of loss or pain or hurt or disappointment or failure or, or brokenness or loneliness, it feels worse at Christmas. It's amplified. And for those who are here today and you're hurting, I want you to know the Bible says God is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And we can have peace in him no matter what you're facing. I spent yesterday at a funeral for one of my best friends, a guy I grew up with in youth group in Kentucky, and, and he passed away of, of cancer, leaving behind a young wife, a young child. And it, it's a heavy, heavy loss. But yet there was still peace and even joy at his celebration of life because we know he's with the Lord and we know that, that this goodbye is a temporary one and whatever we're facing, we can face it with the hope of knowing God is with us in it. That's really, the story of Christmas is a story of God being 
with us and his desire to be with us. In fact, the, the, the principle that we're going to come back to every week of this series is this one. The story of Christmas is the story of God's love for us, his plan for us, and his eternal desire to be with us. The story of Christmas is about you. It's about how much God loves you and had a plan for you from before you were even born. The Bible says this, the Gospel of Matthew, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. There's so many names for Jesus besides just his name, Jesus, and we're going to dive into those names, and one of them is Emmanuel. You'll know him as Emmanuel, which means God with us. One of my heroes in the faith was a guy named Chuck Colson, who had a really interesting testimony. He started out far from God, and he was in the political world trying to rise through the ranks of political power. He actually worked in, in Richard Nixon's organization, and he got caught up in the Watergate scandal, got arrested, and went to prison. So his political career was over. But while he was in prison, he found faith in Jesus Christ, and it changed his life. And once he got out of prison, he devoted the rest of his life to going back into prisons and telling the good news of Jesus and also serving the families of people who were incarcerated. And Christmas time can be a really difficult time for kids if they got a mom or a dad in prison. And so he would deliver presents. He and his team would deliver presents to kids all over the place who had a parent in prison. And he knocked on one door of a, of a little boy whose dad was incarcerated. This little boy opens up the door. Chuck has a big bag full of presents. This little boy's eyes get so big. He wasn't expecting any Christmas presents. Now there's this whole bag, and Chuck said, hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. What's your name? Chuck crouches down low to look this kid in the eye, and the little boy says, my name's Emmanuel. And Chuck smiled so big, and he said, I love your name. Do you know what your name means? And the little boy said, no. Chuck said, your name means God with us. And this little boy just grinned so big, and he ran to get his mom. He said, Mom, Mom, come quick. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. And Chuck thought he was going to say, you won't believe it. We got all these presents. But the little boy instead said, Mom, you won't believe it. Everything's going to be okay. God is with us. God is with us. He got what Christmas was all about. The good news of Christmas is that God is with us. He came to be with you and with me our Savior, our God, but also our friend, also our companion, also our comforter, to live life and experience the hardships that we experience as one who can relate and also as one who can save, that God is with you this Christmas and all year round. And keeping sight of that truth, man, it'll give us the right perspective in anything that we're facing. So why did Jesus come? Why did he come to be with us in the first place? Here's why. The story of Christmas It's a story of God coming on a rescue mission for us. When Jesus, once he grew up and kind of gave his mission statement, said why he came, he said it this way, for the Son of Man, that's him talking about himself, came to seek and to save the lost. He's saying, I came on a rescue mission. I came to seek and to save. Because every single one of us either was lost or is lost. All of us. Apart from Jesus Christ, every one of us is lost. Every one of us has a need of a savior. But we wander around kind of like kids in a toy section at a store whose parents are desperately looking for us that we don't even know we're lost. Have you ever, as a parent, had a kid who's just mesmerized by some store or some place where they are and they're wandering around and you're frantically, desperately trying to find them and they don't even know they're lost. And then you finally find them and you're like crying and hugging them and they're like, what's going on? We're like, didn't you know you were lost? 
That's kind of how it is with a lot of us. We're just going through life saying, well, things seem pretty good. I can't be lost. But lost people are people that are like real sinners, right? Not, not people like me. And we always can, through our pride, justify the fact that, well, we don't really need a savior. I'm not that bad. There's always somebody worse than me. And that's the dangerous trap of pride. It's kind of like the guy who's on his home computer and he's doing his taxes and he's fudging the numbers a little bit. And he's like, well, so what? I'm, I'm cheating on my taxes a little bit, but this, this is not a sin. I mean, the, the government is going to waste this money. It doesn't, they're not going to miss it. So there are a lot worse things I could be doing on my computer. Like my neighbor, he's always looking at porn on his computer. And the neighbor who's looking at porn is like, well, that's not really that big a deal either. It's not against the law. It's, what's the big deal? It's, I'm just looking at this. There, there's a lot worse things I could be doing. Uh, my coworker's actually cheating on his wife. And the guy who's cheating on his wife's like, well, yeah, I mean, maybe that's not great, but it's not illegal. There are a lot worse things I could be doing. I mean, my, my cousin's actually in prison. He stole stuff. And the guy who stole stuff's like, well, yeah, but my cellmate actually assaulted somebody. I just took stuff. He hurt somebody. And the guy that committed assault was like, well, you know, I, I hurt somebody, but the guy in the next cell, he's a murderer. He killed somebody. The murderer is like, it was, it was one guy. You know, I just killed one guy, and he wasn't even a good guy. And, you know, the, the guy on death row, he's the bad guy. He's a serial killer. And the serial killer's like, okay, you got me. I've killed a lot of people. But I'll tell you one thing. I have never cheated on my taxes. Not once. <laughs> That is wrong, right? So it's like no matter what we do, we can point to somebody else and say, I'm okay because at least I'm not like them. And Jesus actually said that's the, the worst kind of attitude that we can have. Jesus told a story of these, these two guys, one a Pharisee, which meant like a really religious guy that followed all the rules, one a tax collector, which represented somebody who was, was really, even his job that he did was just really disrespected. And he was considered a cheat and a fraud, and the Pharisee was praying and saying, God, thank you for not making me like him. I mean, thank you that, that I, I, I'm so generous and I, I give and I fast and I, I follow all your rules. Just thank you that I'm not like that guy. And he said, and the tax collector wouldn't even look up to heaven, but just said, Lord, have mercy on a sinner like me. And Jesus said, after those two guys were done praying, it was the, it was the tax collector who left right with God. Because whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But whoever tries to exalt themselves, they'll be humbled. And so we've got to recognize that we all have the same desperate need for a Savior. But thankfully, Jesus, our Savior, he's already done all the work. He gave his life on the cross. And from the cross, he said, it is finished. He paid the price for our sin. He took a beating so we don't have to go through life beating ourselves up for something that he took a beating to forgive. He has done the work. But we've got to recognize our own sinfulness because the Bible says all of us have sinned. I mean, we've sinned just since we walked in this room, just with our motives, with our thoughts. We're constantly in need of a Savior. We cannot do it on our own. But Jesus loved you more than you can imagine, and he came on that rescue mission for us because he values you so much. One of my kids has a retainer from the orthodontist, and he's misplacing it sometimes. And, and there was one time he lost his retainer up in his room, and he's like, Dad, I, I lost my retainer. I don't know where it is. I'm like, did you look everywhere? He's like, I looked everywhere, and I'm like, I'm going to find it. And I went up to his room, tore it apart, and like 30 seconds later, I'm like, here it is. And he goes, how did you find it so quickly? I said, because you were looking for a retainer. I was looking for $400, <laughs> right? Once you realize the value of something, it depends on how hard you're going to look for it. To him, it was just a little piece of plastic and metal. To me, that's real money. 
We're going to find this thing. And we found it. Well, you are way more valuable than a retainer. You're of limitless value. The Son of God shed his blood, gave his life for you, showing you how valuable you are to God. And so he's willing to to flip over heaven and earth to find you, to find one of his children who's who's wandered away. And so if, if you haven't yet made that decision to allow yourself to be found by him, to say, Lord, here am I, I, I surrender to you. I'm, I'm tired of living life my own way. I, I wanna surrender to you, I wanna follow you. You be my Lord, you be my savior. Today's the day that that can happen. But, but maybe you've already done that, you've already done that, but you still feel like you're kinda on the sidelines and you feel like there's more that you could be doing and we're gonna talk about what that can look like as well. Or maybe you feel like things in your life aren't taken off, they're too small right now, but I wanna give you some encouragement if you feel like, well, things aren't as big as you'd like them to be. Story of Christmas, it began in a small stable, in a small town, celebrating how God can bring great things from humble beginnings. See, God could have had his son be born anywhere, at any time, in any place, and he chose a very, very humble setting. The Bible says this through the prophet Micah, who lived centuries before Jesus actually came. He said, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. He's like, I'm sending my son to be born in a podunk little town. He's gonna be born like in a stable, I mean, in the most unglamorous of ways. And, and in part, I want the world to see that from humble beginnings can come such great things. And in fact, what the world calls humble and unimportant is often what's most important in God's eyes. And what the world calls huge and great is often the most insignificant in God's eyes. But we live in a world that's, that's making these huge boasts about like, oh, well, look at all the stuff we build and all the stuff we do that amounts usually to something so small. And God's like, but I'll take something so small and make it so, so great. Here's kind of a, a funny story about how we as people tend to, tend to brag and over-exaggerate. There was a, a famous astronomer, somebody who studied space and stars and all that, and he was trying to make a name for himself. So he claimed to have discovered a new planet. And he took a picture of this planet from his so-called, you know, really fancy telescope. And he was like, oh, look, look at this planet that I've discovered. And he was going to name it after himself. Here's a planet. We can put that up. Well, there it is. And people are like, oh, they marveled at it. Look at the detail. I wonder if life could exist there. That's amazing. But some of the other people in the astronomy community started looking at that picture really closely. And they were like, ah, uh, that's not a planet. And so this astronomer, in very embarrassing public way, you can Google the story. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. He had to admit that it wasn't a planet, that he had taken a close-up picture of a pepperoni. (laughs) Or it's actually a chorizo sausage, more specifically. So that's just a sausage. He took a picture of a sausage and tried to pass it off as a planet, right? This, if that doesn't sum up the vanities of humanity, that we claim something is so big when really it's so small, but God will take something so small and elevate it to something so big. When you put what you have in God's hands, however little it might seem, when you humbly say, God, my whole life is yours, it's, he'll do something huge with it. Because Jesus came, he came on a rescue mission for you, and he came to meet all your needs. That's the next principle. The story of Christmas is a story of how Jesus meets all of our needs. Every single one of your needs, Jesus came to meet. He, he, came, he came to meet your needs, and we gotta start by being grateful for the needs he's already met. 
I, if you're anything like me, I kind of get immature and restless. And as soon as God meets one of my needs, before I can even thank him, I'm usually thinking of the thing that I need next. Like, okay, yeah, that's great. I don't have to worry about that anymore. But Lord, now, now I really need to, you to do this. And it's like, I'm always bringing some list to God instead of really walking with him in, in a relationship. He just, he wants relationship with us, not just to be our vending machine or our magic eight ball that gives us the answer when we come to a crossroads. He wants to be walking through life with us. And sometimes I'll, I'll be around somebody who really challenges me to live with more peace and more, uh, more gracious spirit. And that happened yesterday, again, at my friend's funeral. I, I reconnected with a, an old buddy who was the uncle of my friend. So Johnny was Adam's uncle. Johnny is probably 70 years old, but, but Johnny has special needs. And so in his mind, he's, he's, he's probably like, a, like an eight or a nine-year-old kid. He just has this childlike wonder. And it stands out that he's so childlike because he's one of the largest men that I know. He wears a size 16 shoe. He's just enormous, but he has this joy that's infectious. And so I love being around Johnny. And I was just trying to catch up with him. And I was like, Johnny, tell me what's going on. He's like, oh man, God has been so good to me. So good. And he was, he was talking about just this job that he has. And he loves his job. It's like a minimum wage job, but he loves what he gets to do and the people that he gets to work with. He was talking about the, the Christmas cards he'd received. It was really only a few, but how thankful he was that he got to get these cards and to get these pictures from people who cared about him. He was, he was thankful somebody had given him like a, an Avengers action figure at work. They'd wrapped it up and given it to him. And he was like, I got an Iron Man. And it was, it was so cool. And, and he was just so joyful. And hanging out with Johnny, like it was, it was, it's humbling for me because I think, man, here's a guy who's closer to the heart of God than I'll probably ever be on this side of heaven because he has that childlike faith, that gratitude for everything God is doing in his life, that sense of wonder for everything God is doing. And when Jesus talked about coming to him with the heart of a child, I think, Lord, make me more like Johnny. You know, help me to be in awe of everything that you're doing. Help me to be thankful for the little things and the big things, God. Help me to live with peace and joy no matter what I'm going through. Because so much of it is, is, it's our own choice. The most joyful people I know aren't always the ones who have the best circumstances. In fact, rarely are they. But they're the ones who have the best perspective about their circumstances. They know that God is with them. They know that God is for them. And they know this, that Jesus came to meet every one of their needs. Talking about what Jesus was going to do when he came, the prophet Isaiah, again, centuries before Jesus came, outlined everything Jesus would be to us. He said, for unto us a child is born... To us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, and here are just some of the names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and the peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So the Bible was saying, here are some of the ways that you'll know him, these descriptive names, these very specific titles and attributes that Jesus came to bring. He's going to be your, your wonderful counselor, your mighty God. You ever, like maybe in your phone, list a contact in a way where to help you remember who that person is, you put a description of who they are. I was, I was looking up kind of some funny and specific phone contacts just for how people remember the people in their phone. And, and here are a few. So like this one guy had his mechanic listed as this. This is Gus, the good mechanic when he's sober, right? And so it's like getting that specific. Like he's a good mechanic, 
but you want to catch him on a day that he's not drinking, and he's going to do a much better job on those days. And so there's, there's that. Or there were several people that had a, a contact like this in their phone. Crazy ex, do not answer. <laughs> you might be tempted to pick up the phone and ride that crazy train again, but you, you're going to want to just not not answer that one. And you want to live your life in such a way that you don't end up as that in somebody's phone. One of the funniest ones I saw was, was a, a guy who had an identical twin brother, and his identical twin was listed in his phone as this, twin bro, spare parts. <laughs> spare parts. Like if my kidney goes out, he's got one just like it. So like, you know, I need a replacement. He's right there. Like I just keep him around because something fails, he's got an extra one. Now, in, in my own phone, um, my lovely wife, Ashley, she is, if you know her, you know this is true. She is so talented. She is better than me at literally almost everything. She is just amazingly awesome and talented. But I will say, and I'm about to show you proof, I think I'm probably the more romantic of the two. I, I think that this is accurate. I'm going to show you why. In my phone, this is how she's listed, okay? She's sweetie. And she's got a wind in her hair, and there's a little heart, and she's so pretty. And so even when I call her, I tell Siri, like, Siri, call, sweetie. You know, and so I was curious one day. I wonder how I'm listed in her phone. I mean, it could be a lot of things. The Italian stallion, man candy. Like, I was just thinking of all the things it might be. And so I, this is true, 100% true. So I picked up her phone and, and I found my list, my contact in her phone and took a screenshot. I'm listed in my wife's phone as this, Dave Willis. <laughs> no, no picture. It's not even just Dave. It's Dave Willis. Like I have to specify when I call Dave, which Dave? Dave Willis, you saw me naked like an hour ago. Like we live together. We've been married for 21 years. What? Why, why am I... So please, when you see my amazing wife, talk to her about this, you know? Talk. <laughs> I, I actually start, I accidentally started a marriage fight in the last service because a good friend of mine came up and he goes, oh, that's hilarious. And he's like, you know, that would never happen to me. So he, he looked at his wife's phone because he's got something like, you know, sweetie or whatever for her. And in his wife's phone, he goes, and it was just first and last name. I was so hurt. I'm like, what is this? And I think that it's our wives are just more practical than we are maybe, you know, or that we're the emergency contact and when they, the the EMS driver picks up the phone and is looking for your emergency contact. He's not looking for sweetie. He's looking for somebody specific. But whatever the reason, we can do better than Dave Willis, I think, on the, on the phone contact. But those specific names, right, getting specific, when you're attaching it to somebody's name, it reminds us who that person is to me. Who are they to me? And so the Bible gives us all these specific names for Jesus because the Bible wants to remind us who Jesus is to us. And he's all of these things, wonderful counselor. If you're in a season right now where you need direction and instruction, you need that listening ear, you need somebody to point you in the right direction, to put their arm around you and, and, and hear you as you pour your heart out, Jesus is your wonderful counselor. If you need a power greater than yourself, if, if, you, need, if you need a miracle, if you need a breakthrough, if you need, if you need something and someone so much bigger than you could ever imagine to be the strength in your life, that Jesus is your mighty God. If you need the comfort and warmth and direction that only a father can provide, then Jesus is your everlasting father. And maybe you didn't have an earthly father around, or maybe the one you did have around was deeply flawed because all of us are broken and 
Maybe you're now trying to raise kids on your own and you feel like you didn't have an example and so you don't know where to start. Jesus wants to be that example for you. He's the only perfect father who's ever been and he's got so much grace for you and so much love for you. And once you allow him to, to love you as a father should and do all those things for you that a father should do, it brings so much comfort and healing and hope and it can even bind up some of those wounds maybe that were left behind some imperfect parents here on earth. Jesus wants to be that for you. And if you've got chaos, if you've got confusion, if you've got anxiety, Jesus wants to be your prince of peace. He came to bring peace into your life. He came to do all these things and more for you and for me. He came for this reason. It's not just, just so we could sing Christmas songs, even though that's great. It's not just so we could put out decorations and give presents, even though that's great. He came to rescue you. He came to be all of these things for you. And one final point as we start wrapping up the backstory, and again, I hope you're here every single week for this series and on Christmas Eve because there's so much to this beautiful story of Christmas. But one final point here is the story of Christmas includes God's plan to send his perfect son in a lineage of very imperfect people. Maybe you feel like God can't really do anything with me I've blown it too much. You know, my family's been messed up for generations and that's probably just gonna continue and that's just who we are, I guess. But let me tell you some good news. God only uses imperfect people because Jesus is the only perfect one who's ever existed. That's all he uses. He's, he's there for us. There's no perfect people in this room. There's no, no perfect people in Grovetown, no perfect people at South Campus. N none of us are perfect. And yet God loves us with a perfect love and has a perfect plan for each one of us through his perfect son. The very first words of the New Testament, the very first words of the Christmas story, simply say this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham, and then it goes on through his genealogy. And you think, why would the Christmas story, why would the story of Jesus start with just a family tree, like, a, like an ancestry.com report kind of thing? Like why, why would we be given all of this generational information? And the reason why is because God is showing us God could have brought his son to earth through any people, any way, any time, and he chose to bring his son through a lineage of just very, very imperfect people. And you look through that list, and yeah, there are a lot of names we know of people who did a lot of great things in the faith, but even of those, they made a lot of mistakes. And then you look through the list and you start reading in between the lines and you see criminals and adulterers, you see at least one prostitute, you see murderers, you see people who have blown it in all different kinds of ways. And God is saying, but look at how I've redeemed this family story and brought my son in the midst of it. And through every broken family on earth, if we'll choose to bring Jesus into our family, whatever the history has been, whatever the brokenness has been, once we invite Jesus in and allow him to change us and change the generations that are come after us, guys, we can, we can change the world or rather, Jesus wants to change the world through us. He has a plan for your life. Don't ever write yourself off. He's got a plan for you, a beautiful plan. And that plan starts with you putting your faith and trust in him because that's where every good decision begins is in following Jesus. But then after that, it's a lifelong process of saying, Lord, continue to help me trust you as my wonderful father, my, my, my everlasting father, my mighty God, my prince of peace. All those places in my life help me to trust you completely and do everything you want in me and through me. And once we do that, I'm telling you, he'll start working through your life right where you are to start shining the light 
of his love to the world around us, and the world desperately needs us, and he wants you to be his ambassador, his hands and feet, in your office, in your school, in your cubicle, in your factory, in your home, in your neighborhood, to be that light. You think, I'm not qualified. I've messed up too much. No, that makes your testimony even more beautiful because people in your life already know you're messed up. I am too. But when they see the hope that you have in Jesus, they think, well, maybe it's for me too, and it is. God wants every single one of us to be part of his story and part of his family. That's why he came, came on a rescue mission for us. I wanna pray for us. We're gonna have one more song, but when I pray, I just want you to, I want you to be open to, Lord, whatever you wanna do in my life in this moment. Is today the day that I finally surrender to you as my Lord and Savior, the most important decision you'll ever make? Or maybe today's the day that I recommit. Today is the day that, that there's that one part of my life, Lord, where I haven't trusted you completely. I've been trying to do it on my own and I need to surrender that to you and allow your peace to rush in whatever it is that the Lord's working on your heart today to do, just say yes to him. Jesus has really done all the work. All that's left for us to do is to put put it into his hands and to live our lives in light of the promises that he's already given us. So let's, let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to earth. God, thank you for your master plan of bringing our savior, your son to earth wrapped in flesh as a baby, fully God and fully man, to live a perfect life, die a death on a cross in our place. God, we don't understand the depths of your love, but we're so thankful for you. For anybody here in this place, for those in Grovetown, those at South Campus, those watching online that have not yet said yes to you, Jesus, let today be the day that in their own mind and heart, they pray a simple prayer of faith and say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of the way that I've lived. Today, Lord, I'm I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. I'm committing my life and my eternity to you. Adopt me into your family. Make me the person I was made to be and help me to live out the destiny you created me to live. And for all of us, Lord, for those who are struggling and hurting and confused, God, be our Prince of Peace today. God, for those who are are lonely and they feel the brokenness in their family, be our everlasting Father and show us the way. God, we know you're all these things and more to us. And we rest in the safety of your love and your promises. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.